Thanks be to God. We've heard the word proclaimed in the anthem, and now we hear it from the gospel according to Luke. Listen as we read chapter 3, beginning with verse 15. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, And was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Perhaps you've heard of TED. TED is an acronym. That stands for Technology and Entertainment and Design, a large nonprofit that began in 1984 devoted to ideas worth spreading. That's become one of TED's main slogans ideas worth spreading. Perhaps you've heard about TED through TED Talks. There are thousands of TED Talks free on the web. Literally millions of people have watched and benefited from TED Talks because they're all less than 20 minutes and they're all ideas worth spreading. There are also TED conferences each year and TED fellows and even a $1 million annual award, a prize for a person who has an idea worth spreading. And TED has been in the news in Richmond lately because there's going to be a TED conference in Richmond on March the 22nd. I was encouraged by Ken McFadden, who's one of the deans and here today, one of the deans at Union Seminary, to look at a certain TED talk. Ken McFadden will be leading our session retreat in a couple of weeks. So the church leaders will be watching a certain TED talk and using it as a springboard for discussion and strategic planning for the church. The TED Talk is by Simon Sinek, and it's the seventh most watched TED Talk in the world, in all of its history. Simon Sinek's emphasis in his TED Talk is, start with the why, the W-H-Y, why, which is also the title of his top-selling book, Start With the Why. See, too often we get focused on the what question. Everybody can answer the what question. What do you do? Well, you say, I work at a law firm, or I'm a teacher, or I'm retired. The what question is always pretty basic. Most companies and organizations can easily, readily answer the what question about what is their purpose? What do they exist for? What is the program or the major emphasis of the organization? For us, 
We're a church. That is the what question. Most of us can quickly get to the what question about our lives. Like, what are you going to do on Sunday? Well, I'm going to go to church. And what else are you going to do? Well, maybe you're going to go watch the Falcons and Russell Wilson this afternoon. Who knows? We know what we're doing today anyway, allegedly. Most of us can also deal with the how question. It's a bit more complex than the what question, but we usually get to it. How does that go as in your job or your business? How is that church or that certain product doing as in does it make life better for you? Does it bring joy? Does it fill up your day? Uh, Does it work well for you? Most of us know about the what, and most of us can deal with the how. In fact, Cynic's TED Talk argues that that's where we usually stay, dealing with only the what and the how. What we do not do so well, or so often, whether it's with our lives, or our jobs, or our time management, or our faith, is the why question. And yet, it's the why question that actually gives foundation and focus to our lives. It's the why question that urges us always to live with purpose, to live with clarity, to be rooted in what we believe. It's what helps us maintain our cause in life. Much of the time, we never really address the why question. Cynic's point in All of this is that those people and those businesses and those organizations that begin with the why question and then let the how and the what emerge out of the why question, those are the ones that really succeed. Those are the ones that are the most effective. Those are the ones that are making a difference. Moreover, real clarity about the why questions become inspiring for others allows other people to catch on and, and maintain uh, momentum and carry on with us. It's important, these why questions. For example, uh, in Cynic's TED Talk, he refers to Dr. Martin Luther King, who is on our minds every January as we approach the MLK holiday. When King came on the scene and had such success, created such momentum and such a legacy, it was not because he was a good speaker. There were lots of good speakers in that day. It was not just about a certain topic that he had a certain what civil rights to speak to. Lots of folks were advocating for progress on civil rights. It was a problem. And it was not just a how question either. That He went around and he drummed up support that he spoke well in lots of places and people were moved. None of that. Cynic's point is Martin Luther King made people see the dream, made people see far beyond the what and the how to the why. Our society is called to be more than segregation and inequality. That was King's message. God has bigger plans for us than segregation and injustice. America needs to be better than segregation and injustice. Indeed, all that King said and did was rooted in the why. 
God intends for a better world where children, regardless of color, play together. God intends for racial equality and better laws for a better world. And because King believed it and conveyed that belief, others got caught up in it and it became a a movement, a transformative force, and now we have a better heritage because of King, a better legacy for our country. See, it's one thing to dwell amidst the what and the how, which we all do pretty well. That's where our lives are most often spent, the what and the how. But it is absolutely critical to appreciate and live into the why question or live from the why question that we can really get somewhere. And having more meaning and purpose to our existence, more focus and foundation to our lives. Whenever we come into this space, our sanctuary, or into this building, our church, God is our focus, and Jesus is our subject. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we worship God. We learn about Jesus. We sing, and we pray, and we seek to become Jesus' disciples, as Ginger was telling us a moment ago. How do we do it? Well, We have a call to worship and we have a prayer of confession and we listen to the Bible here and we pray, we have a sermon and we celebrate sacraments. We keep talking about who Jesus is and what God's Spirit is doing in our midst in downtown Richmond. We know we're called to know Christ and make Christ known here and around the world. All of this and All that we do, like Second Sunday Lunch, which we celebrate today after worship, and our feeding ministry that happens on Mondays, feeding the downtrodden, all of our programs, all of our ministries with youth and with people who find themselves in the hospital, all of this, seeking to follow Jesus, to serve God, to love and forgive, to live as God's people in our personal lives and corporately together in this church and in the larger church, all of this is the what? And it's the how of our Christian life in community in Richmond. The what and the how. And then today's scripture points us to the why. Isaiah the prophet, in our first lesson, writing to people who've been covered up with trouble, covered up with heartache, covered up with loss, around 600 B.C., and also writing to us, Isaiah the prophet says this, Do not fear Do not fear. I have redeemed you. No matter what happens in my life or your life or any of our lives, rough waters or raging storms, and those are the images that Isaiah gives, I will be with you, says the Lord, for I am your God. You are precious. You are honored in my sight, you. I love you. I care for you. I will always care for you. I will gather you to myself. And then we turn a few pages and we get to the New Testament lesson and it's the story of Jesus' baptism. The people were watching and they were wondering and there was a great swirl of energy about this guy named John. Maybe John's the Messiah, they thought. John says, I'm not the Messiah. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
And then Jesus is baptized, the story goes, and a dove is descended from heaven, and a voice comes, and the people hear it. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Following Jesus' baptism, in the next few sentences, Jesus' life and ministry begins to unfold. He goes out into the desert and he's tempted by the devil. Then he goes and he begins encountering people. He helps them and he heals them. He calls people to himself to follow. He teaches and he speaks in parables. He goes about his work announcing the kingdom, embodying the kingdom of God even in his life. He shows us how to live. He shows us how to love. All of this is the what and the how of his life and his ministry. He challenges the Pharisees and the religious people in the way they were thinking. He's ridiculed and he's crucified. He suffers. He dies. He is raised. We pay attention all to this. We keep talking about all of this. We learn and we seek to align our lives with this one we call the Messiah, Jesus, who we read about, his life, his purposes. But guess what? It all stems from and emerges out of the why question. Why did Jesus' words matter? Why did Jesus' actions become so important to us? He's God's beloved. That's what we hear at the baptism. He's not just on a mission doing good and teaching and healing people. And that's very interesting. He is sent from God to embody God's presence in the world, in life, in my life and your life. He is God's son with whom God is very well pleased. He is deeply loved by God. This is his foundation. This is his focus in his baptism. Everything Jesus says and everything Jesus does, the what and the how, come from who he is and why he is among us. Why he dwells with us. He is the Messiah whose life and ministry inaugurate, embody the kingdom of God in the world. The what and the how of Jesus' life and ministry are all rooted in the who he is and the why he is here. When we keep that at the forefront, when we know why Jesus holds central place, everything else makes sense. Everything else indeed follows. Indeed, our lives, my life, your life, as Jesus' disciples also follow too. We're not just trying to love and be kind because it makes us feel good, though it does. We are following Jesus, whose life and love, whose teaching and healing and all of his actions inaugurate the kingdom of God, the coming reign of God. We're not just seeking to be good people or better people. No, we want to align our lives with the coming of God's reign, which is a reign about hope and wholeness for us and for the city and for the whole world, following God's beloved, the Messiah, who we see in this passage in Luke. And here's the other key point. Each of our lives, your life, my life, 
intends to have the same foundation and focus from our own baptisms. Whenever we were baptized, whether an infant or as an adult or whether you can remember it or not, the point is we've all been baptized. The waters claim us. The waters confirm such important truths for each of us. They give framework and direction to our lives. In the waters of baptism, wherever it took place, in this sanctuary or when you were a kid or some other place, the waters of baptism tell us, do not fear, I'm your God. Do not be afraid, I have redeemed you. I care for you. I love you. When life gets tough, and it does, the Lord is saying, I'm by your side. I'm in your midst. That's the promise of baptism. I will be with you, says the Lord. This gives our lives strong foundation, answers the who and the why questions about ourselves and about all of us. We are God's people. It's something to celebrate. God loves us. God gives us life. God promises never to leave us. And, and that means we're to live a certain way. Loving and serving wherever we find ourselves. Promoting God's peace and God's justice wherever we find ourselves. Spreading kindness and hope. Working for the reign of God. The what and the how of our lives stem from the why. We are God's people. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we serve God. How do we do it? How? Well, in all the ways that we can. In whatever way you can, in whatever ways I can, when we wake up, when we relate to our children, when we relate to our parents, when we go to work, when we deal with people we don't know, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, all of this is the what and the how, and it goes on and on. And it all emerges from the foundation and our focus in baptism. This is who you are. You're God's beloved. Called to inaugurate the coming of God's reign, just like Jesus did. We're God's children, claimed and redeemed, loved and empowered by God's Holy Spirit. We seek to bear light wherever we find ourselves. The what and the how of our lives find their foundation in the who we are and the why we even exist. We're loved by God. We're claimed by God. We have a purpose for God. We're God's children, baptized and called to live as disciples, following Jesus, giving our time, giving our money, giving our energy, giving all things for the coming of God's reign. It's promised, it's arrived, and it's still arriving, and we're to be a part of it. Last Saturday, in this very sanctuary, there was a great crowd of people gathered to give thanks and celebrate the life of a particular individual. His name was William Roan. William was the slight, very kind, engaging African-American man 
who worked in the evenings in our parking deck. He did this for about 12 or 15 years work there. So if you ever came to the church for a night meeting, you probably encountered uh, William. If you came to choir practice, you were always running into William for sure. If you were here for some other occasion, at the end of the day, you know who William was or you should. William cared for people. William cared about this church. William did everything he could to help us and make life better for us in this church. William also fought cancer across the last few years, so he had become more slight and often missed days because he was fighting the effects of chemo on his body or he was worn out from fatigue. But his demeanor never changed. He lived out his kindness and his faith and his commitment to serve God. We all saw it. William had a favorite saying, and his favorite saying came from Psalm 113, verse 3. William's favorite saying was this, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the Lord's name be praised. He said it all the time. We're talking about putting it on a plaque out here in his memory, because he lived it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the Lord's name be praised. This verse helped William live every day his life as God's own person, serving God in the world. This verse gave him foundation and focus in everything he did. He said it often, it formed his life. So at William's funeral, when we were here last Saturday, person after person for about two hours testified to how William had touched his or her life. Each of them said something similar. And what was so remarkable to me about this service and about all these testimonies was, again, how it does not matter what our jobs are. We can touch people's lives with the way we live. And we can touch people deeply with the way we live every day because that's what William did. People who parked in the deck came to his service and stood up at his funeral to say with genuine passion how William made sure I was safe when I came to get my car after it was dark. Another person stood and said, I park in the deck. I didn't really know William, but he knew I got sick and he called me and he checked on me. I will never forget it when I was sick. People came to his funeral because William touched their lives. He had called them to say he was thinking of them or praying for them. He had helped people with a problem. He had listened when somebody had a concern. One person working part-time in a parking deck can touch life so very deeply, can indeed influence the world. How we live each day, what we do in our lives, how we treat people, What legacy we live all matter very much and it all emerges out of the why. From the foundation and the focus that sets the course of every day. It's given to us here at baptism. This is who you are. God's beloved, redeemed, cared. Do not fear, I'm with you. And we have a calling. A calling to embody God's love and light wherever we find ourselves straight from our baptisms. Like Jesus, we serve God. Straight from our identities, like William, we seek to serve God. 
How about it? I am yours, says the Lord. I'm with you, says the Lord. I'll never leave you, says the Lord. And this is my calling. Serve me in the world, bringing about God's kingdom of love and hope and light and justice everywhere. This is our calling. May it be so. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. You claim us so well, O oh God. You love us so well. May all of our commitments flow directly from your claim and your calling. Amen.